Provoke podcast is brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists, Marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy-to-use PR software. Get a free demo today at Notified.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the Provoke Media Podcast. I'm Maya Kavinska-Sims, the EMEA Editor at Provoke. And I'm joined today by Andy Farrow, who is Vice President of Corporate Affairs and Sustainability at Mars Incorporated, where he leads the company's communications, government relations, stakeholder engagement and corporate brand, as well as its sustainability objectives. Andy joined the Mars leadership team in 2016, after serving as Senior Vice President of Corporate Affairs, Sustainability and Strategy for Wrigley, which is a segment of Mars, a native Londoner, Andy began his career in UK politics, working for the Labour Party, and then spent 13 years at Hill and Knowlton, where he worked with a range of companies, governments and NGOs as head of the corporate practice for Amir. He's also a regular on our Provoke Influence 100 listing of the world's most influential in-house communications leaders. Andy, welcome. Good, thank you. Great, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. Um, where in the world are you? I'm, um, I'm currently um, where I live in McLean, Virginia, um, uh, and in fact, where Mars's global headquarters are, which is really just just outside of um, just outside of Washington, D.C. Fantastic. We were all there earlier this year for our um, Provoke Global Conference. First time back together for three years. It's a lovely bit of the world. Yeah, no, it's a, I think Washington is, is, a, is, a, is a, a great city um, and, you know, you can be a uh, in glorious countryside in in half an hour's and uh, half an hour's drive so it, it's a uh, it's a great place to be tell me a bit more about your role at mars yeah i mean you sort of you just kind of covered the main things in the in 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 the introduction but i uh, you know we have we, we take a pretty broad view to uh, to what corporate affairs is so it's really it's really all the communications disciplines um uh, are in there uh, corporate brand uh, sits under 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 corporate affairs, and uh, you know, as I think a number of people listening may know, is we are we're 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 a family held company. We're owned by a, by the Mars family, uh, and so family communications um, sits uh, within uh, within corporate affairs. And obviously, that is you know, that's incredibly important. You know, when you're when you're a fa- when you are you are a family owned company. And then I, I kind of steward sustainability um, uh, and on on the leadership team, um, uh, you know, and you know we have a we have a, a sustainability organisation which is separate to corporate affairs, uh, uh, but that the, the ultimately reports up to me, and, and, and so as my I see my role very much there as as making sure we're having the right discussions, sort of setting the right targets, we're having the right, we're putting the right resources behind them to uh, to achieve um, what we want to achieve. So what is it that Mars wants to achieve in terms of sustainability? It sounds like you've got some quite ambitious objectives. Yeah, and they go back, they, they go back a long way. In fact, in you know, back in sort of 2008, we 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 took a decision that we wanted to be sustainable in a generation. And they're specifically talking about greenhouse gas emissions. We were talking about getting our uh, getting our direct emissions to zero by 2040. So it was a it was a net. I suppose it was a net zero commitment back then, but it but it only encompassed 
our direct operations. And as we were kind of reviewing our targets in the sort of, you know, sort of around 2014, 2015, we started to do much more, much more detailed work looking at what our true, um, true impact was. And we found that actually, if you took all of our uh, emissions right the way through our, our, our supply chain, actually our emissions were that of a small country. They were equivalent actually to the, at the time, the country of Panama. Um, and yet our direct emissions were under 10% of that. And so at that point in, 20, in 2017, we set a, a whole series of what, what you what now in the language you talk about scopes one, two, and three targets for um for for for, for, for not just for, for, for greenhouse gas emissions, but for all the connected issues, because what we find is issues around human rights, issues around poverty, issues around water. They 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 interconnect. Um, you know, when we're attacking sustainability in cocoa, you know, yes, we're tackling um issues of uh climate but we're also tackling issues of human rights we're also tackling issues of water we're also tackling issues of poverty and so in 2017 we published um, you know, our sustainable generation plan which sets some some very ambitious goals for where we wanted to get to uh, and we updated that last year by in moving our commitment from uh, from in 2017 we were looking at a minus 67 percent greenhouse gas emission reduction by 2050 to moving to a you know 100% greenhouse gas reduction target by uh, by 2050, so a net zero target. And you're on track with all of that. Um, what we what what we have we have done we have managed to break the link between the growth of our business and the growth of our carbon footprint. And so against uh, so a 2015 baseline, we we have a business that from a from a sales point of view is very significantly bigger and also from a volume point of view is very significantly bigger and yet our absolute greenhouse gas emissions are down by about seven uh, down by about seven percent um and so so i think we i think we've we've made a move in the right direction now the difference between seven percent uh, and where you want to get to in 2030, which is, you know, is, you know, is, is probably is 100% net, probably 80% reductions, probably 20% carbon credits, because you can't really get agriculture to zero. And we are, we fundamentally, our footprint overwhelmingly is not energy, mm. our footprint overwhelmingly is agriculture. So I think, you know, we, we are, we are delivering actual and real reductions. Um, we've got a lot of work to do to get them to the pace that we want to see them. Uh, we've also integrated um, sustain sustainability and our sustainability targets are a shareholder objective as part of our Mars compass. We remunerate our top 300 leaders against them and to a very significant percentage. It's a, it's a very material uh, part of how we pay and it's integrated into our financial planning system. So when our our business units, we call them the segments, prepare with talk with the board about their three-year financial plans or integrated value creation plans, we call them. In that, they have to not only say how they're going to make progress against the, the financial targets, but also what they're going to deliver in terms of greenhouse gas em uh, emission reductions, uh, progress against other environmental metrics, and also progress against our packaging goals. So, so I think we... Um, 
I think we're in a we're in a we're in a strong place in doing what we say we're doing and demonstrating real uh, progress. But but the, the task ahead facing us is a, is a huge one. Mm. I think it is for everybody at the moment, isn't it? It's all become very, um, very urgent. Do you how well does sustainability fit with the comms function? Because we see quite a lot of job titles now among our Influence 100 where sustainability is part of that. It doesn't feel like it's, it feels like it's very embedded into Mars from what you've just said, rather than being something that's kind of tacked on to the end. But what's the, what's the kind of a fit with, with, with communications? I mean, I personally regard that, I mean, there is an overlap um, in the sense that, um, that, you know, sustainability communications is an important thing that that we do and part of if you look at part of the business benefit of sustainability you know there'll be some things that will save you money because actually and we've managed to do this for renewable electricity you know we we are now using 55 percent renewable electricity and and we have got that at market price if not lower so there are some things where you save money and the you know you'll do some things with packaging where where essentially you can make changes that will save you money so there's a the business benefit there but also part of the business benefit of sustainability is that you can differentiate yourself as a company uh, and make yourself more attractive certainly to talent mm. uh, you can make yourself more attractive for within our cpgs business to some of the customers that we sell through um and ultimately, you know, you know, we've got some, I think it's got some good evidence on, say, some, for example, our Shiba brand, where, which is linked up with a, a, a pro, um, around rebuilding coral reefs, where you can get real consumer cut through. So, so the communications of it is, is some of the things that you, you get benefit from it. But I do regard sustainability as something separate uh, to, to corporate affairs. And I view myself as you know, overseeing two separate but connected, um, connected parts of uh, connected parts of the business. I mean, if I look at our sustainability um, to achieve what we want to do on sustainability, overwhelmingly, that is about our procurement function, which we call commercial. Mm. You know, and it's about the raw materials we buy um, that we use in our in our in our range of recipes. It is also very significantly about our, our research and development function in terms of how do you how do you design sustainability into the the innovation process so that each new product you bring to market is less carbon intensive, is more sustainable packaging, and of course it's critical to our you know our in our our sort of manufacturing our supply chain. And you know, you know, particularly around the energy we use, and that's really, I mean, that's obviously where the big direct energy is used is to, in terms of our our, our factory. So I, I view it in in that way. And I you you want to have people who really are the absolute experts uh, in their field, and I think it, it is in, in it's perhaps important that you 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 don't try and blend out everything to a kind of uh, an issues management middle. Mm. Do you you talked about consumer cut through there do you think that your brands which are um more overtly focused on sustainability like Sheba for instance do you do you see that that changes consumer sentiment towards the brand um I I, I take the question perhaps a little bit a higher level I think uh, you take it really to purpose it, it can a, I think brands with purpose if it's relevant to what the brand does 
then I think you you can get cut through. And we do see that. So for example, we see with, you know, pedigree with uh, and the role that pedigree has played, say, on dog adoption mm. uh, and the, 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 this positioning of pedigree feeding the good. We think that that has, has been a, both a very powerful platform for the brands and, and, and it has driven consumer connection. It has delivered ROI and it has delivered, uh, delivered good in the world. We did, did. We've also then seen that with Shiva, where you're going, you're going to a more to a to a, something that's much more collected to the environment. I, in this point, coral reefs, and we were uh, as Mars, and actually one of the Mars family members, Frank Mars, um, was an innovator in developing a way to restore coral reefs, um, which actually came out because it was something we observed in a place where we grew. We we, we did a lot of work around cocoa. And we saw the, the connection with the local communities and the importance of fish and uh, and that there was there was less fish was because of what was happening in the coral reefs. And so uh, they developed a technique to, to rebuild coral reefs or where coral reefs would build themselves naturally you know, using a Mars spider system. And there, you know, you saw the natural link between the brand because, you know, Sheba is, you know, we use fish in Sheba. Uh, uh, consumers connect cats with a love of fish. Um, and we could do something was real. And so so we've certainly seen cut through there. We, we've seen cut through when we've done done work with, you know, with, with Dove and Galaxy based around Coco sustainability. Again, there's a natural link between the product and what you're doing. So I think if you do it that way, you can get a, a benefit. However, I think the approach of saying every brand must have a purpose or even narrower than that, saying every brand must line up and try to activate consumers against the sustainability uh, development goal simply simply won't work. It has to be real in terms of how uh, how consumers observe uh, observe the product and how that, and that and that the role that it plays in their lives. Yeah, consumers are quite good these days at sniffing out stuff that doesn't feel very um, authentic, aren't they? I mean, yeah, I think that. I mean, that's, I, mean I think it, it's 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 also relevance. It, it, it's just you know is it is it relevant to why I think about the brand and why I buy the brand and what's the role what's the natural role of the brand to play in that area um and so yeah so I think it is you know it's absolutely you know it's absolutely I mean for me for me purpose shouldn't be a corporate branding or a product branding strategy purpose needs to be fundamentally about how you do business and if you do business in that way, then there may be there are occasions where you can use that to talk about your company. You can talk about it to future, you know, to would be would be employees or associates, as we call them. It can be something that you can use as a means to, you know, to differentiate some of your brands and have cut through. But it's it's, you know, that's the benefit, not the objective. Yeah. I'm absolutely fascinated that there was kind of family involvement in that innovation around the the coral reefs. It sounds like that's a, a real passion project for for the family. Yeah, I mean, certainly for for, for, for Frank um, and and Frank is our, our board chairman at the moment and is also an associate in the business. It's something that he's been involved in for for, for many years. And you know, you know, uh, you know, our, our the Mars family are a very live part of Mars. You know, they are our board. We have family members who who work in the business, they they have defined objectives for the company, shareholder objectives for the company, where there are seven shareholder objectives, of, the, of which three are financial and four are what we would call non-traditional. So they they, re they relate to 
trust internally, trust externally, by which we measure corporate reputation. They relate, they relate to greenhouse gas emissions and they relate to improving the lives of, of people in our supply chain. And that is our Mars compass. And, that, and, and that's what they entrust the board to deliver against. Mm -hmm. uh, to, um, you know, all our essentially business strategies ladder up to the compass. And that's what we use as a, also as the means, uh, as the means for remuneration. Uh, you know, they, they, they've taken a very deliberate decision to leave their wealth in the in the company. I mean, the, the family take less than 10% a year out of the company. 90% is reinvested. Gosh. And therefore, you know, the biggest contribution they can make to the world is through how their company operates. And they want a company that, um, that delivers a strong financial return, but also delivers a strong societal return. Um, and it's why, you know, we have a purpose of the world we want tomorrow starts with how we do business today, which actually was designed and agreed uh, by uh, by that family. That's that's really interesting. And what about you, Andy? How important is it for you personally to be working for a company with that kind of strong, purposeful um, underpinning? Uh, it's, it's incredibly important. Uh, um, you, you, you explained my um, my sort of history in, in the introduction and. Uh, and the honest truth is, you know, when I when I graduated from college, I went to work in politics and because I I, I, I wanted to positively change the world um, in, in, as, as I viewed it. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, I was involved in politics for a number of years and, it, you know, it, you know, it was incredibly important to me. And I, at that time, I never thought of going into business. That was not what I thought I would ever be doing. And then, you know, for, you know, for various means, I sort of, I kind of, for various reasons, I moved into business and, and I sort of, at that point, I, you know, I started to have almost like two lives. I had my personal life where I did the things that I believed in and wanted to do. And then I had my commercial life and where I, you know, and I was, I was successful at it and I gave people advice and around campaigns, but the, you know, and sometimes they connected, but they didn't. And it was only really when I came to Mars and, and, uh, and my 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 one of my my line managers just said to me, "You do realize that through Mars you can have a much bigger impact on the world than you ever could have done had you stayed in the world of politics." Mm -hmm. And we and when you when you talk to them, and we want you to bring the full you to work. And actually, the the people who own this business want it to be a business that, that, that is delivering a range of very positive things. And so I, I started to stop dividing, you know, the, the, the personal Andy from the business Andy and just had one Andy who, uh, uh, and, you know, I think I've been, I've been very fortunate that while being at Mars, I've been, I've been promoted a couple of times and have been able to move into, you know, positions of sort of greater influence, greater involvement, um, uh, and I've managed to play, I think, a, you know, a relatively important role in 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 the direction of what we do and and how we do it. And it, it is for me, you know, it isn't, you know, it's an utter revelation. It became a few years ago that you, that, that you didn't that you could do both. Do you think? Do you still um, hold that view that companies, corporate bodies, can have uh, a greater effect on on um, on changing and influencing and making moves in a positive direction on society and big global issues like the environment than governments can now? Um, I think I would probably nuance it a bit. I mean, I think the, the what, what, my, what my former line manager was saying to me, he was 
pointing of what could I do working in UK politics versus what could I do in a global role in a company like Mars that operates in 90, 80 countries and probably sells our products in 180 or so. Um, I, I think it has, I think business can and can play a huge role. And I, I gave you, I gave you the Panama example of our of our environmental footprint, you know, you know, you know, you know, we have, you know, we for for the agriculture we use, it's an air land the the size of Belgium. You know, our economic footprint is also that of depending on how you do the multiplier. You know, is that of a you know a, that of a you know a small to you know, small to medium sized country. So, so I'd certainly have a view that you know you know that we absolutely can make a, a difference on on the big issues of the day, and we employ one hundred and fifty thousand people. Mm. You know, and we can make a very big issue impact on them, their families, um, and their communities. So, I think that's the case. Um, there, there is, but there's almost nothing we can just do on our own. Mm. You know, we cannot achieve our climate goals without, you know, governments in in the key countries be driving that. We cannot achieve our goals on, you know, on say on human rights without also people being willing to enforce the law as it as it as it exists in countries. We cannot. Uh, Packaging is perhaps the best, one of the best examples. We can design the packs with less plastics in them. We can make them recyclable. You know, we can, in some cases, we can develop reuse models of packaging, but we need, you know, customers to want to stock it. We need consumers to want to use it. And we need the recycling facilities um, in those countries. And even in some countries, we even need waste collection facilities. And so I, it, it has to be a partnership where business plays an important role and business, business has a direction and expects that it needs to play an important role. But I, I don't take with this uh, ma this mantra that, you know, you know, governments can't deliver it. Let's leave it to business to deliver because mm. of that because that won't work. What I do think is that um, business can afford to take a longer term view, perhaps sometimes than politics can. And so if you and if you look, you know, if you look at the moment, I mean, we we can be pretty consistent where we want to go on greenhouse gas emissions. You, you do see in, in political cycles in countries where environment rises and falls an issue, or for example, at the moment when cost of living is a big a, a big topic, um, then you get, you know, you get governments saying, oh, can we really afford to do that and things like that, you know, but because of the political realities they're, 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 they're dealing with. I think a business, we, we often can take a slightly longer term approach on things. Um, um, with that kind of partnership approach in mind, I, I'm, I totally agree with you. You were at COP27, the UN Climate Conference, which was in Egypt last month. What, were your, what was your experience like there? Um, I mean, I think that the reality is that, that, that all of these, you know, COP or, um, or, or UN General Assembly Climate Week, you know, people, or depending on what you're doing, people will have different experiences. Mm. I, for me, I, I found it very a very positive experience in the sense that um, um, one of the issues that we have been concerned about in, in, the, in the climate debate, you know, there are really, really two issues. I think the first issue is that there, the, there is rightly a big focus on energy, mm. um, but there, there has been a, there has been a lack of focus on agriculture. And for Mars, 80% of our environmental footprint is agriculture related. 
you go to a company like PepsiCo, it's an even higher percentage. And really anyone who's in, in the you know, consumer packaged goods space, agriculture is incredibly important. And what I saw at COP this time was that agriculture and food rose up uh, rose up the agenda i mean partly we were responsible for pushing it we you know we have uh, my uh, our outgoing ceo grant reed was asked by uh, then his royal highness the prince of wales to lead a task force on looking at regenerative agriculture or climate smart agriculture which um you know which 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 uh, you know i worked with our ceo and we had ceos from a number of the number of major companies and we did work for sort of 14 months or so uh, leading to a you know publication of a report at COP uh, on what what was stopping regenerative agriculture scaling because regenerative agriculture specifically this is not like moving to a hydrogen economy we don't know how to do which we don't really know how to do this is actually using tried and tested techniques that have um, existed for, for for many many years so why is it scaling so slowly so so one I was pleased to see agriculture and that rising and I think I think agriculture will be an even bigger issue. Um, at, at um, uh, COP next year in Dubai. I think the second thing I was pleased to see is that um, I think that there is greater recognition that business has a role to play uh, and that, that COP can't just be about the conference of the parties, i.e. the governments meeting with governments. We need to involve civil society and I think civil society involved for quite a long time but we also need to involve uh, involve business, and I see I see greater recognition of that. So I think that was positive. Did you did you come away hopeful from the experience? Uh, well, I, you, you you have to be hopeful because um, we need optimism, we need progress, and and we need focus. Um, I think uh, you know. Uh, um, there was some, you know, so what was good? It was good that in the final text of the treaty, um, uh, the final text, food was mentioned, agriculture was mentioned. I think it was good that some progress was made on, uh, you know, on the kind of loss and damage issue, because it was almost, it, it, for some a number of the governments, is, if you don't get some agreement on this, it's do not pass go, you know, do not, do not move forward. And so I think that there was, um, that there was, uh, there was, there was progress on that. And I think it is, um, I think it is, you know, it's good that, there, you know, that this COPs year, up, year after year increase in the focus, increase in the level of importance on them. So I think all of that is, you know, is signs that we, that, that that's positive, but we don't move in a, you know, in a, in a straight line or it's not linear, the progress. And sometimes we make more progress. Sometimes we, we make, um, we make less progress. And I think you could talk to people who could give a, a bunch of reasons why, why, why COP wasn't as successful as it should have been. You know, Alok Sharma gave a, a good, a, a good critique, a good critique of it. What I do think is the COP process doesn't particularly work. I think this idea of having a government, you know, chairing a COP, and then playing a role in the next cop, you know, you know, you wouldn't run a business where you give, you know, you say every CEO, okay, okay, you've got a year, and then for the year afterwards, you can help the next CEO come on. You wouldn't, you know, you don't tend to have successful governments that run just with people at the top leading it for a year. And so, I don't believe actually the process works very well in terms of moving thing, moving things forward. I think you know, everyone, there is an element of having to relearn. For every cop, because mm -hmm. it's a new, pretty much it's a new government every time. 
it's interesting that the the extent to which your your role as a corporate affairs leader is is changing and i can you know i can hear from what you're saying that some of that is is down to kind of the the evolving kind of uh, global framework we've got for how business is operating and the contributions it's making to these these big societal and environmental issues from your experience how is the role of the uh, of, of chief comms officers changing in the world we're living in now yeah i mean from a, from a from a mars perspective then you know given the of our seven shareholder objectives uh, two relate to sustainability and two relate to trust and reputation internally and externally then 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 you know it, it, the role has a you know has a has a very meets a very specific need for the, the company i think for the broader world i mean what's happened you know corporate affairs is is increasingly a part of leadership teams mm. um and why is it an increasingly a part of leadership teams is because i think what you're is that the the issues that we deal with you know polarization um geopolitical issues for example for example you know for global businesses mean that the companies really have to think incredibly carefully about almost everything they do mm -hmm. and having a a public affairs geo geopolitical perspective is critical uh to being uh, um being a company where and companies are being asked honestly on often on almost every issue companies are asked to have a point of view and mm. how do we do that and 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 so the so so you know corporate affairs plays a I think plays a key role in that I think the 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 other thing is that what there is increasing questions about okay I know the products but what is the company behind the products and services um, and you know what do those company what the companies really stand for uh and so that 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 theme of you know what's their purpose how authentic it is you know you know the, the, those are those are really our core corporate affairs things and they are they are management room they are management room they are boardroom and in our case they are owner room discussions and so uh and and so so you you've you've got that and and you know so corporate business are playing a critical role in helping navigate Mm. companies through these ever complex ways and then 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 finally the you know the means of connecting to consumers have become increasingly individualized you know you know it used to be that you know a cpg company could communicate most of what it wanted to do just through mass tv advertising that doesn't have the cut through that it that it used to have you know there are, you know there you know there is a need to be to be far more targeted and 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 corporate uh, corporate affairs and uh, plays a perhaps a plays a bigger role in that mix, and there is a greater request for a two way dialogue, and again corporate affairs really are stewards of that. So so it, I think it is a, it, it's a, it, it's an increasingly important profession, um, uh, and and you see that in in how many companies are treating it. We've seen. Um, we've seen a lot of chat around ESG over the past few years um which is allied to all that um stuff you were just saying about kind of the change that the changes in the role of the cca where you're you're talking on things that maybe wouldn't companies wouldn't have had to speak up on um a few years ago do you do you think we've got a, an esg backlash coming around the corner 
I mean, you certainly you certainly see talk of an ESG backlash, and uh, you know uh, you certainly see talk of perhaps companies going too far and you know getting out getting out of uh, getting out of their, their lanes. What I, what I think you, you, you're seeing at the moment is that that for those who are not trying to drive a political agenda for it, and some of it is there's a political agenda going on, particularly you see in the US. But let's take that out for the moment. I I think. Now, what people are looking for is what is true and what is authentic mm. and uh, and what are the extent to which you know to which you are you're doing the right thing versus just communicating the right thing um and you know and i think there was a there was a danger where you know when if you go to say every brand must have a purpose or every brand must link to an sdg or um, you know, and I've seen companies talk in that way and you think, well, I'm, you know, I'm not sure that's particularly relevant to all of your consumers. It may, and therefore, I think investor audiences may go, well, you know, it may make sense in certain circumstances, but, but, but maybe not in others. And so I think it really is driving back people to, you know, what are, you know, this is this being about the, is this really being about the fundamentals? Is it doing the right thing uh, on you know on on the focus on the fundamentals stay authentic clearly articulate the issues in a in, in a balanced way and i think that that is um i think that is the that's the opportunity uh when companies look at it uh, you know we have a view that the world we want tomorrow starts with how we do business today as our purpose it it requires us to to have a view of what we would like the world to be but not a view on every issue. And I think we, you know, we have to be very careful about, you know, you know, we've got to, you know, we can only really have that on, on issues where we have a relevance, where we are, where we have a product relevance, a service relevance, a relevance perhaps to the, the, the country, geographic relevance to, to the country. And, you know, you, you need to be, you need to be very careful that you don't, this doesn't become an issues marketing thing where you're chasing after every opportunity uh, to raise your to raise your brand profile, but it's built on built on fundamentals. Because what is very clear to me is almost on every issue. Uh, if you if you're in a polarized country, your associate base or your uh, we call them associates, but your workforce will be as divided as the country will be. Mm. Um, and while one group may maybe more maybe more vociferous than another. It doesn't mean that the, the decision is there. So they need to see that there is a legitimate way, reason, reason or why you are uh, talking about an issue, that it has to match with what you do. Can't just be words. You have to match with what we do. And, and, and it has to feel real and relevant. And even if they disagree with it, they, they'll, they'll, they'll probably give you the benefit of doubt if it's authentic to who you are, and authentic to what you do. Uh, but they will they will smell it completely if they if they see it as posturing. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So with all that in mind, looking ahead, we're nearly at the end of this year. I'm sure we're all looking forward to the Christmas break. What, uh, it's been quite a year. What what are your priorities and focus going to be in your role at Mars for 2023? I mean, I think it, I mean it, it's it, 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 you know we, we've we've got to I mean you know we 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 need to set for example on sustainability we need to set a 2030 greenhouse gas reduction target we have a 2025 one we will set a 2031 and you know and we need to continue to make you know significant progress towards that in terms of of, of delivering against the actions 
you know, the same true against our, against our packaging goals. We're certainly on our, on our in greenhouse gas emissions, very much dialing up uh, the approach on agriculture and regenerative agriculture, because that will be that will be critical to us. So I think you, you so you kind of see that from a and and I think on the sustainability one, we you know we would like the world to have a lot more focus on actuals rather than commitments. That we do feel at the moment you're rather judged by how great your commitment is. Yeah. rather than what you're actually delivering and uh, you know we're focused on what we're actually delivering i think for for if i look from a from a corporate affairs point of view you know reputation is important to us uh it's a shareholder objective you know it you know it's become a more difficult environment for corporates i think during covid we saw very principled corporates leading the way doing absolutely the right thing and and i think that you you saw in many cases, reputations rising where people could realize they could trust. Um, we're in a we're in a, perhaps in a different environment now where cost of living, you know, is a you know is a huge issue. Um, you know, we are seeing huge inflation in our supply chain. Um, we we try to pass as little of that on to consumers as possible, but we have to pass some of it on to our consumers. And so we see you know cost of living being a you know a, a, an issue in honestly in pretty much every one of our our major markets and how do you manage through that? How do you show that you're delivering value? We also see that, you know, that this is geopolitical environment is, is getting, you know, gets tougher. And, you know, and how do you, how do you manage through that? And how do you ensure that the way that you manage through that in country A doesn't cause an issue in country B and, and, that, and really building, uh, building that in connect, interconnectivity. I think the if I you know one of the things we're we're you know we're looking at our capabilities and and, and, and you know and, and you know how we grow and develop people we do think that you know decoding sustainability and I think really raising the fluency within a corporate affairs function of how they can help decode sustainability for our consumers for our customers and for any of our stakeholder audiences so we see that as um we see that as a, a big theme as re as well as really. Uh, trying to increase fluency across, uh, you know, uh, communications mediums, and so that you know, you know, we are able as corporate affairs people to be as effective and as targeted uh, as, as as marketing has become. That sounds like quite a lot to have on your on your plate for the year. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, yes, it is, and we, you know, we, you know, we're we're a big company. We're in lots of places, but the good thing is, it isn't just me who's got a um on our plate. You know, we have a lead, leadership team of people who are very focused on it, and some fantastic um, you know, fantastic professionals throughout uh, throughout the organisation. I mean, one of you know, one of the great things at Mars is that corporate affairs is truly a business function. It's truly at the leadership table. You know, in 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 the units. In the in the in the segments of you know in pet care you know uh, mass snacking in food and nutrition you know, it's truly at the table there and obviously a, a global leadership team um, uh, you know and with that and I, I suspect if you talk to any member of our global leadership team they would have of um, the, the you know the business overall they'd have a, a lot of things that they they that are important to us you know these are big and complex times and then that's why. You know, you know, it's so great to be in, you know, frankly, great to be in the profession because, you know, it seems so relevant. What have you learned about yourself, Andy, and the communications sector over the past couple of years since the start of the pandemic? That's my closing question to you. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the what I, I have learned is that you can truly use purpose to make decisions, uh, and you know, you know, I'll, you know, almost all the decisions that we made around COVID, around what we wanted to do and what was the right thing to do, was made in the um, against the frame of how does this contribute to the world we want tomorrow. There was uncertain information. You know, we didn't even know what the science was. Nobody knew where it was going. And that, so and I, I saw very much the purpose could absolutely uh, be a frame uh, for decision makings. Um, I, I saw also that in times of complexity um, and conflict, then putting down on paper what you would say internally and externally is a fantastic way of aligning what is the right thing to do. Mm. And I and I I saw that um, you know I saw that you know that 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 really worked and that that you know you know focus on the tangible, focus on the what you're going to do, what you're going to say about it, and 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 that that can often take a lot of the heat out of the issue because you, you actually get to feel it, to focus on, on that. And so I, I saw that, um, I saw that strongly. And frankly, I have also seen that, 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 that good communications has saved lives. Mm. We, we, we looked at our workforce overall through our associate base through COVID, and we looked at the general population uh, overall, and our associates were safer than, the general population, but with even with the right, if you, you you did all the work of breaking it down by location and and and, um, and demographics and that, and the, you know you, you know you you know communications can 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 truly make a difference, uh, and that was a a very uh, very vivid example. And what about you personally? What have you learned about yourself? I've learned that um, the the it's important to continue to just be you um, and to, to be willing to uh, bring the issues and the conflict to the table um, uh, and to bring it in a way that is, um, um, you know, the way that is depersonalized, but, but puts it on the table. So I've learned that. I've also learned um, that, that there are some times when the best thing to say is nothing. I mean, I think particularly, we, we used to think that, oh my goodness, something's on the BBC, you, you have to respond. But, but, but that was in the days of when the, the BBC had limited output and therefore that output always had massive reach. Now, you know, you know there is almost unlimited output uh, from, from channels and, and how you have to respond to them is very different to how you had to respond to them 20 years ago. Mm. Um, Andy, big job, big company and a big year ahead by the sounds of things. It's great to have the chance to have a talk about your role and, um, and what Mars is doing around sustainability in particular. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you. been listening to the Provoke podcast brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists marketeers. 
Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy to use PR software. Get a free demo today at notified.com.